Marchessault slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back to Donov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Off the great calls from Dan Duva. I've got to check in with my buddy Dave Gosher at some point over the next uh, few days as we uh, get an idea of what the play-by-play voice on the television side of it, uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights, thinks of what's going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then Gosher and I will end up talking music or food or something uh, to that effect. And then Wallace will certainly jump in. And as that all happens, Ryan Wallace will roll his eyes. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show with uh, Ryan Wallace. Uh, I'm Darren Millard, uh, Chris Chapman, and the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio we've got an update on the Edmonton Oilers to come I've got uh, one of those uh, weird stories about uh, social media and tracking your information and it involves my hmm. dog which this is really weird uh, we'll also get into a uh, news notes uh, one-timers from around the National Hockey League but first uh, let's start with the situation in Boston which mm-hmm. potentially could be a volcano and just explode and take uh, out that franchise with the unrest that's being reported between star player and general manager. What do you know, Ryan? Okay, so the the we'll start with kind of the first report on it, and that was from the Athletics Fluto Shinzawa in in one of his articles, uh, just a, a couple of, just yesterday actually, uh, in, in which he he brings up the idea that David Pasternak might not be on board with signing a contract extension with the Boston Bruins. He's got one final season left on his six-year, $40 million contract and will be eligible, obviously, to sign an extension come July 13th if he wants to and if the Bruins want to make that happen. However, one quote, which came from a source, quote, close to David Pasternak in this article, had some people uh, with a little bit of a, a, a ruffled brow. Quote, 88 Pasternak had seen how Don, Don Sweeney, has treated his two best friends. No chance he comes back with Sweeney's as GM. So that was really the quote in the article that sent off a ton of rumors as to whether or not David Pasternak uh, would not just be not signing an extension, but perhaps whether he would be traded by the Boston Bruins as as early as this offseason. So the the quote uh, that that you just gave, like, who's that from? Mm -hmm. Somebody just sending it to Pluto? It's a source close to David Pasternak. Now, what's the uh, the Twitter handle? Eighty-eight Pasternak. Well, it it's the. I mean, there's no Twitter handle on oh, the okay. actual article. It was a, a a source that I would imagine reached out to Fluto Shinzawa as he's the one that's reporting. There's a very casual report, though, wasn't it? Like with 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 sure. a, with a bomb inside of it. Uh, about uh, General Manager <laughs> Don Sweetie and uh, David Pasternak. Who are the buddies? That Pasternak is apparently upset were with the way that we were handled. 
It would be Tory Krug, who had a, a contract expiring in 2019-20. And as we all know, Tory Krug went to free agency and signed with the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. And then David Krejci, the following season, uh, his deal was up, was not extended. Now, I, I, with David Krejci, I, I think there were some extenuating circumstances, obviously wanting to relocate his family to Czechia. So, like, I, I don't know, like, how much that should really play in here but it is an accusation there that that David Pasternak has not been happy or is not happy with those two players specifically being not a part of the organization moving forward well the league needs him for the Duncan commercials alone uh, the league needs him so, sure. so well, keep him going yeah uh, for that but uh, the Krejci mention is interesting mm-hmm. and the timing of that because uh, David Krejci went and played at home uh, overseas in Czechia uh, this year because yeah. of a commitment that he made to his family. Uh, he played that that year. He's not ruling out playing in the National Hockey League this year at all. And yeah. Sweeney is on record saying he's talked to David throughout the year and is going to talk to him again uh, when, uh, when the time comes about a potential return to the Boston Bruins. So that... Those two coming together with the Krejci news earlier this week and now the uh, leak of the information that Pasternak's not happy and part of it revolves around how uh, Krejci was handled, there's a common bond there. Yeah, I mean, it would probably go a long way for David Pasternak if you were able to bring back David Krejci. I guess the question is, what's the direction of the Boston Bruins moving forward, right? Like we know that there's a little bit of flux with that organization right now. There's questions about Patrice Bergeron, whether or not he's going to retire or come back. And like, I, if I'm like, if I'm Don Sweeney in this situation, I want to bring back David Krejci. If it means I can extend David Pasternak, because to me, that's the guy that is going to be the, the key piece moving forward for the Boston Bruins. When everything's said and done, when Marchand retires, when, when Bergeron retires, when you can't really pick out the same core, it's going to be David Pasternak's team. And, and to me, like you've got to find a way to make him happy. You've got to find a way to extend him. Well, the, the idea of bringing Krejci back also may have an impact on Bergeron's. Yeah. Ser- uh, serious uh, decision that he has to make, whether he's going to retire or not. And I think I think that could uh, convince people that, that maybe the window could be extended uh, a touch. I think it's all but closed now. If, with no Bergeron, uh, no Christ, and uh, we got uh, Marchand out uh, for a couple of months, uh, this, this is a team that could end up burying itself early on next year unless they, they acquire some, some better talent, or uh, they just play way above their head, like, like Vegas did. Vegas could have been buried easily with the, with the first half with all the injuries that, that they had. And they kept their head above water, and, and going into uh, All-Star break were, were tops of the conference uh, before they ran out of gas. This, that same thing could hold true for the Boston Bruins next year, or they could be behind the eight ball like the New York Islanders were this year and not able to recover. But if you convince Krejci, if you're the general manager and and you're uh, talking about not legacy, but your your window's closing here, that that's a big part about staying competitive next year. And then you've got the happiness of a player and trying to keep him uh, on the same side and sign an extension. But I guess that brings up the natural 
the question when it comes to the Boston Bruins, like given the injuries, understanding that you're going to be without a couple of key players for the first two months of the season next year, like is that the best solution for the Bruins to try to be competitive next year? Or it is when Cam Neely's you your boss. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I disagree. I, I, like, I, I get it. You go tell Seabass that. I mean, I would if I felt like it was the best thing for the for the organization moving forward. Like, if you only need a couple of bad seasons or a bad season to get a really good player and kind of expedite the 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 retool, and you can come back with. David Pasternak still in his prime, and you can get perhaps a Connor Bedard into your organization. Like to me, it's worth it. What like, about you, this listen, angle? If the boss, if the I just I just want to get this one out because it's a joke that's there and it's on the table. Like the Bruins have Taylor Hall, so if they get into a situation where they're in the lottery, they're probably going to win it. That's all. Yeah, take advantage of it. Play that card if you have it. How about this angle? And hear me out here. David Pasternak, through uh, an unnamed source, and I don't know whether it's through Pasternak, but it certainly involves him, uh, tells uh, uh, Fluto uh, this story that, that he's not happy with the way things have been handled. He just happens to be eligible for a contract extension this summer. <laughs> Yeah. A contract extension coming off uh, a contract that's uh, $6 million that, that could be, and I've seen uh, different people uh, talking about this, in the range of the Mark Stone trade and signing. And they're mm-hmm. talking $9.5 million for eight years if, if, he, if he signs the, the contract and then gets traded. Or he just gets traded and then gets signed uh, for, for seven years. Could this be a plant by... The Pasternak camp, and it wouldn't be the first one to, to ever do this, to just rattle the chain around the uh, the Boston Bruins, get their attention, and say, if you want Pasternak, he's not happy. There's and there's probably some truth to that. I I, I don't uh, deny deny that. How whether it's to that level that he totally wants out, I doubt. But he's, he's probably not happy. If you want him back, you better buck up, and you better buck up mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's kind of the the most natural progression to go to. Like, everything's a negotiation, right? Like, everything's about leverage. And I think right now, if if you're, you know, if you're David Pasternak, and if you aren't happy with the direction that things are going, or you're not exactly thrilled with what's happened over the last couple of years, utilize that as best you can. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a story that was kind of leaked out there in order to get David Pasternak to where he wants to be on his next contract. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me at all. See, that's uh, another reason why we got to get Gosher Ernadi on. Uh, two guys uh, that have uh, been around that core uh, with the Boston Bruins and now with the Vegas Golden Knights, part of uh, the star-studded uh, television uh, broadcast. Uh, we've got the Edmonton Oilers out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We thought this would be a great series, one of the most highly anticipated series uh, involving a battle of individuals that we have witnessed in a long, long time. I'm going to go back to Ovi and Sid in, in their encounters. McDavid against McKinnon, Kane, Kadri, and down the list. It never happened. It was all Colorado, four straight. Why did it go Colorado four straight? We have the list of injuries, Ryan. 
Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl, uh widely speculated and confirmed today that it was a high ankle sprain that he sustained in the series against the Los Angeles Kings. He could hardly get around the ice, right? Like he he yeah, he was it, by the end of it, he was a shadow of himself. And and I'll be honest, like I'm surprised that it was just that. Like there were multiple instances after that that play in particular where Dreisaitl was hobbled coming off the bench, getting back. Like I'll I'll say this though. Like, Leon Dreisaitl left it all out there, right? Like, in that final game, game four, he gutted it out. You could tell how much pain he was in. So a lot of respect to what Dreisaitl put himself through and what he tried to to provide for his team because even a 60% hobbled Leon Dreisaitl uh, was able to collect four points in a game at, at one stretch during that, that conference final. So uh, Dreisaitl, high ankle sprain, Darnell Nurse, this one's pretty wild. Played the entire playoffs with a torn hip flexor. Uh, you know what I'm going to tell you? Hmm. Y- you could tell. Yeah, he wasn't particularly good, but no, no, it was I... it was shocking how ineffective mm-hmm. he was, and yeah. I'm I'm happy to hear that he was had had an injury of of that extent. In the sense of it explains it because he was yeah. he, there was no offensive force. Or push mm-hmm. like he he was yeah. well down between Barry and Bouchard were the go-to guys and defensively he really struggled and and for somebody that that uh, is is going into next year uh, the new contract that pays him nine point two million dollars yeah I was watching Darnell Nurse and I had palpitations for Oiler fans myself wondering what is wrong here with Darnell Nurse and. The, 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 he, he went through three rounds uh, with that torn hip flexor. Good on you. Like, that. that is battling through. But thankfully, there was something that you could explain the drop in performance. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I saw a lot of the takes while the series was still going on about the Darnell Nurse contract and because of how he played in the playoffs, how much that was going to be kind of an anchor for the the uh, Edmonton Oilers moving forward, but you know the fact of the matter is, like, I I just I, I think Darnell Nurse will be fine. Like, I think that the contract's going to be hefty at the end of it for sure, as these long term big money contracts usually are. But I, I think that you're you're dealing with a player that was just battling through something that took a lot out of his impact because he just couldn't get around the ice. Nine point two. Is too much money for a for a guy that doesn't put up massive points. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I I hear you, but at the at the same time, like you want to keep him. You believe Darnell Nurse is a part of of your core, and he's going to be a, a player that helps you you win games and win important games. And I, you know, I I I I don't have as much of an issue with the Darnell Nurse contract because I think you just you had to get it done. Now I do have an issue with the fact that he's making more money than Kale McCarr. That's that will change though. That's just a uh, uh, commentary on where they are during their respective careers. Hmm. That will change. That's fine. Okay. Uh, uh, Um, But but if if he's nine point (laughs) five, Darnell Nurse, uh what does Kale McCarr like? Is he max? No, let me let me pull up Kale McCarr's contract because I'm I'm fairly certain that Kale is is going into an extension that's that's nine million dollars a season. 
if I'm not much mistaken, but I'll pull it up right now to take a look at it. For how long? I'm, I'm that. That's what I'm curious about. Uh, and nine million dollars at Kale McCarr's stage of his career is a home run too, because uh, I mean we're talking uh, so early where guys are normally signing bridge deals. Uh, they're not. They're not getting out. They, uh, Pasternak six, like that. That's the type of deal that you expect mm-hmm. uh, McCarr to be in uh, at this stage. So uh, nine would be would be paying for your production right now. Yeah, so Kale McCarr right now is is in the second <laughs> it's amazing. He's in the second year of a six year deal that pays him nine million dollars average annual value. So, That's a good deal. Uh, it's a fifty four million dollar contract, nine million dollars for Kale McCarr. Like I, I, I get I get your point. Uh but he's a restricted me, free agent. Like, like that, that that's a that's a huge deal for his age I, and, and stage of his career. I agree with you. I agree with you. But when you when you factor in what we just saw, the fact that Darnell Nurse actually makes more money than Kale McCarr is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we have uh, from Edmonton? So Nurse was uh, torn hip flexor, dry sidle, yep. high ankle sprain. You got uh, yep. one of your best forwards and uh, your 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 stable on the uh uh pillar on the blue line uh both beat up who else uh you had ryan nugent hopkins battling through a shoulder injury yesi puliarvi battling through a shoulder injury and uh kyler yamamoto missed games at the end there because of concussion protocol uh rnh that that shoulder injury that that hurts you because of the depth uh big time i i like what what, what ryan nugent hopkins did in this playoffs I did. I liked him uh, this year, in fact, uh, and the way he was able to contribute. And Yessi uh, Pugliarvi, uh, I think, restricted free agent, I believe. What are they going to do with him? That will be fascinating. He's already gone back to Finland once. Uh, mm. I think he stays. They work out uh, some kind of deal, but he's he's never going to hit the the level that – we thought when he was a when he was a draft prospect, and Kyler Yamamoto that that really hurt them with skill level and trying to back off. Team, team, if if Connor uh, wasn't on the ice, like they knew Leon was hurt. Uh, if Connor wasn't on the ice and with with Kane, then they could Colorado could change their game plan and force Edmonton so much. The, that that list of Drysaitel, uh, Nurse, uh, RNH. Pugarvi, Yamamoto, uh, that was really significant. Both top end talent and and their depth, and everybody's banged up, right? You're looking at it with the New York sure. Rangers. You saw it uh, certainly in the last round with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning, making uh, a series of trips to the locker room mid game. Uh, we've we've seen it uh, with with different players that have been banged up. Everybody is, uh, but uh, these these players took out you, you got a forward line and and you got uh, a big defenseman uh like that's that's massively hindering yeah I, and you know again like with the oilers we we marveled at their ability to kind of get that depth scoring and and as you know ridiculous as it is to call ryan nugent hopkins a, a depth player he is on this on this team and you know you, you kind of look at the the Colorado Avalanche, and it just gives you an idea of how much deeper Colorado is than the Edmonton Oilers are. Top-end talent, both teams have it, and they have it in spades. 
But the fact of the matter is, when when you are going through a, a playoff run here without Sam Girard, when you're going through a playoff uh, run or at least the conference final without Nazem Kadri, who's been one of your best players all playoffs long and all all year long, frankly, uh, and you're still able to kind of find ways, it, it gives you an idea of just how good Colorado is. But yeah, you talk, you start talking about Drysidle, Darnell Nurse, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It's not really that surprising to see why the Edmonton Oilers offense kind of hit that stall in games two and three of the Western Conference Final. Uh, Colorado, really, the core of that team is the same that's been around for a couple of years, matured, getting better, uh, Makar, uh, certainly mm-hmm. every year. Uh, but they, they added a couple of pieces in and around their lineup. Josh Manson was one that we, we referred to uh, earlier this week. But uh, I, I don't think uh, goaltending has been a difference uh, for the club, uh, both the starter and the backup, being able to get it done. But I think this is just a core group that's found a way more than changing a lot of things. And good on Joe Sackick. He, I thought he would make a change at coach last year. I really mm-hmm. did. And he didn't. And I, I, I'm impressed with the job that, uh, that Bednar has done uh, with that hockey club. It's weird. Uh, I, I seem to remember a lot of people thinking that the Tampa Bay Lightning would make a change at yeah. coach when they were swept, and it's worked out pretty well for John Cooper and the Lightning. Maybe it'll work out really well for Jared Bednar and the Colorado Avalanche. And then uh, there's there's changes at coach where where you uh, look at it and and you go, okay, oh, where are they going with that? Bruce Cassidy uh, was was let go this week. Uh, there's more uh, happening behind the scenes uh, with the with the Boston Bruins, and it allows other big names uh, to be available uh, for a head coach. So uh, that that would be, I don't know whether it's the toughest job as a manager, but it's right up there trying to figure out where your team is headed and the the voice that you want uh, guiding your hockey club, uh, Tampa Bay, and you've got uh, Colorado now. Uh, made the right choice. Edmonton had to make a change, and they did, and that turned their season around. Uh, I guess they could have stayed with with Dave Tippett, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, but they made that change and promoted their American Hockey League coach, and and they get to the third round. Uh, timing and pressing those buttons is is a huge part of uh, of your success. So, just kind of on the on the thread of the Edmonton Oilers and coaching. I, Jay Woodcroft, like, do you do you extend him this this off season? Like, do you do you get any ideas at all if you're the Edmonton Oilers if you're Ken Holland to maybe kick the tires on Bruce Cassidy? Well, here's what I can tell you about two different situations, but very much the same. Mm-hmm. The Florida Panthers got over the hump in the sense of they won around for the first time since 1996. Sure. And they did it with an interim head coach, Andrew Burnett. The next round, they got swept. The Edmonton Oilers got over the hump in a manner of speaking, the furthest that Connor McDavid's ever been. And then they got swept. And those sound like the same situation. One was the third round. One was the second round. What I'm being told is that Jay Woodcroft is safe. They will find a way to make that deal. And part of the reason why they made the change when they did 
was with Dave Tippett uh, out and Jay Woodcroft in was they were very aware that Woodcroft was going to be hired or approached by somebody this offseason. So they got ahead of the curve. The team wasn't playing very well at the time with the, with the Oilers. They needed uh, some kind of shakeup, so they took a chance, and they took a chance with their guy, their own guy, who they were aware of uh, from coaching Bakersfield, uh, and a and a coach that, in in some matter of speaking, they were already kind of looking at for next year with the Edmonton Oilers because they didn't want anybody to steal them. The Andrew Burnett one is different f- from a vibe standpoint. I'm hearing that they're going to make a change there, that the uh, there will not be uh, removing the interim tag, and uh, and there's a couple of other coaches there. Like Ulf Samuelson has been around for forever. Uh, uh, I don't hear uh, that uh, that there's going to be re-upping of that deal, and that they're going to go in a new direction because of the way things happen. They were. They were a team that have a $10 million goaltender. They have studs in the blue line, studs up front, and they scored their way to success during the regular season. And when push came to shove in the second round against their arch rival, who they pushed to seven games a year ago in Tampa Bay, they were not able to compete. And there is a feeling that they need to make an adjustment with their with their coaching staff for next year. Bruce Cassidy, is is that the name? Is it Pete DeBoer? Is it Barry Trotz? Uh, I think it'll be somebody in that range for the, for, the, for the Florida Panthers if this does come to fruition. But Edmonton, I think, stays put. And I think Florida, even though the right, great regular season, that makes a change. Just what and, I'm hearing. And, and what's What's funny about that is both of those situations make logical sense to me. Like, I, I know the circumstances look very, very similar, but I, I think that, you know, if, if you're the Edmonton Oilers and you kind of look at what Jay Woodcroft was able to do from the time he took over the reins, I, I think he's earned uh, the, the opportunity to continue to move forward with this team. Uh, Andrew Brunette was fantastic during the regular season. He gets him over the hump, but but that series against Tampa, the inability to put the puck in the back of the net, the inability all playoff long did not do anything with the power play. I just I think the way that the Panthers are built right now to win right now, uh, you need a little bit more experience there. Yeah, with the uh, talent they have uh, on the power play, uh, that became a big talking point uh, around the the Florida Panthers. Uh, when we continue, news and notes from around the National Hockey League in our one-timers segment, uh, plus a little uh, social media storyline for you that involves dogs. It's, uh, it's strange. Uh, and that's not the catching up with Chapman today, but that is on the way. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Let's get into it. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Uh, Edmonton Oilers out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And a big talking point all year was goaltending. Interesting that <laughs> Mike Smith carried the ball during the entire playoffs. He was the starter. Uh, and he is uh, over 40, has one year left on his contract. There's some speculation that he may retire. Now, why he would do that, I don't know. Uh, but he battled injuries on, all man. year long. And there is uh, a su- little bit uh, the other slant here is that 
he just won't be able to play next year. That put him in long-term injury. But it plays into Kenny Holland, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, comments on the exit interviews. He admitted that the Oilers didn't have a true number one goalie this season, but then said there's very few of them <laughs> around. And and that's that's sort of true. Like he, he's not he's not making that up. Like Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen were expected to ham and egg it uh, this year. Um, yeah. Listen, uh, there was Mark Andre Fleury. He was available. He was on the table now. Regardless of whether or not Marc-Andre Fleury would have gone to Edmonton, like, I don't know. Probably not. But the fact of the matter is, like, there was one available. Make it work. And to, and to be honest with you, like, when you have Connor McDavid and you have Leon Dreisaitl and you have those players in their prime, you're not ham and egging your goaltending. You're getting somewhere with a number one goalie. Go out, find one. Go out, trade for one. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what you need to do. You need to stop wasting the best years of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl with crap goaltending. Yeah. Did they lose in the third round because of goaltending? Yeah, Mike Smith was really bad. Like, there's a lot of reasons that they lost, but Mike Smith was terrible in the Western Conference Final. Well, Edmonton will not have Ilya Konovalov to lean on. Have you heard of Ilya Konovalov? Probably not. But uh, he's a, a project uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he was a uh, draft pick in 2019, played in Bakersfield this year, goaltender. Uh, he didn't have the greatest of season in a 23. He's going to uh, go back uh, overseas. I just I wanted to say his name just because I like saying his, uh, his name. Uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, are one of many teams uh, looking for a head coach right now. I haven't heard them connected to Bruce Cassidy as of yet, but there is a link to St. Louis Blues assistant Jim Montgomery, who Chapman uh, brought up as a candidate for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, a while ago. He was the first one to, to say that. But the, there is, there's, uh, uh, I think, um, definitely uh, interest on a lot of different fronts. Vegas uh, would, would have an interest, I would think, uh, in Jim Montgomery. And now a, a connection with the Winnipeg Jets uh, Jim Montgomery was assistant for St. Louis the last couple of years. Uh, before that, he was the head coach of the Dallas Stars and uh, had a really good college career. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised or, or shocked uh, if, if Jim Montgomery is, is head coach of a team come next season. Oh, he's I a coach of, of somebody next year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think that, that that writing's on the wall, and, and good for him. I, I think that that's important. He's, he's going to get another crack at it, and I think that's uh, that's that's rightly deserved. Still in coaching news, the youngest head coach in the American Hockey League is now a man named Trent Vogelhuber. He was officially promoted by the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, to head coach of their American Hockey League affiliate, the Cleveland Monsters. Uh, Vogelhuber, give me an idea of how old do you think he is? Over, over, under thirty. Mm. Over. Chapman? Yeah, my initial thought was he's in his late 20s. All right. Vogel Huber so is got under. 33. He served an assistant hmm. coach with the club for the last four seasons. He actually, I did some uh, just poking around because it was it's kind of an interesting story. When you're 33 years old and you're named a, a head coach of the American Hockey League, Vogel Huber's last season as a player was 2017-18. And that was with San Antonio of the American Hockey League. 
1819, he became an assistant coach with the Cleveland Monsters. Very, very similar guys to the transition, quick transition by uh, our buddy Ryan Craig with the Vegas Golden Knights, who went from player to coach, uh, except for Craig went to uh, assistant coach in the National Hockey League and has done a great job. Yeah, I, uh, I'll say this. Um, I wish that I was 33 again, um, and I also like the name Vogel Huber, so that's pretty cool. Could you be a coach, though? Like, 33 is young to be. 33? No. Yeah. Come on. It's ridiculous. Like, Paul like, Maurice was really young when he, when he took I'm, over the Hartford Whalers. I'm fairly detail-oriented. I'm pretty... Uh, buttoned up when it comes to kind of my, my process on a daily basis. There's there's no way, no way I could coach like a peewee hockey team at 33, let alone an AHL club. Like, there, no way. Come on. Paul Maurice was the Hartford Whalers head coach uh, at 43 years of age. Became the youngest coach in NHL history to coach 1,000 a, a games at 43. But he first got, got his job back in 1995 and i'm trying to do the math on, on that like that is ridiculously young 25 28 28 28 28 paul maurice was coaching in the national hockey league and yeah, has had no, a great it, career that'd never be me that would never be me no for a lot of reasons but certainly not at 28 i was doing way different things at 28 instead of uh, working yeah. on systems uh, for, for mm -hmm. coaching. Uh, Calgary Flames for Johnny Gaudreau could very well be the top free agent. Though there's a few different things going on uh, in and around the NHL. Uh, like David Pasternak is, uh, he's got a year left but uh, is he available for the Boston Bruins by a trade? Uh, there seems to be new names becoming available or tossed into speculation every day but uh johnny gaudreau doesn't have a contract and we've we've been speculating about his future all year uh he says he loves it in calgary but what do you give him and the trickle down effect of signing johnny gaudreau is uh and matthew kachuk you may not be able to keep both those players and it continues to be uh, a, a dance that they're doing right now with the 28-year-old forward, Johnny Gaudreau. If if I'm giving my bet on what happens, I think Johnny Gaudreau tests free agency. I don't think he's a Calgary Flame. Uh, I agree with you. I've got that uh, that same vibe about the the star forward. Boy, was he good at times during the uh, mm -hmm. the Stanley Cup playoffs. You look at that and you're like, oh. like well, how do you not pay him the big money? But there's been points in his time in Calgary where it hasn't been uh, as consistent. Uh, Philip Forsberg is another big-name talent approaching free agency. Malkin, I don't think, gets there. Latang could with her Montreal <laughs> connection on the, uh, that front uh, go. Yeah. But there's another name. What do you do if you're Claude Giroux? Do you go back to Philadelphia? Uh, do you stay in Florida for uh, a Joe Thornton-type deal, Jason Spezza-type deal? Or do you say, oh, I'm willing to go anywhere? I, I think if I'm Claude Giroux, I'm willing to go anywhere, but I'm willing to go anywhere that gives me a chance to win, right? Like, I, I, I don't know that I'm going back to Philadelphia, mainly because 
I don't believe in the Philadelphia Flyers' ability to win a Stanley Cup next season. And if I'm Claude Giroux, there's not many seasons left to go here. So I, I, I find myself to a team that there's a role, there's a fit, it works, but it's a team that gives me a chance to win, like, say, the Florida Panthers, or, I don't know, just spitballing here, perhaps Colorado Avalanche. Hmm. That's, uh, that's a good uh, team as well. Uh, a club to keep an eye on as we get towards the draft is the Vancouver Canucks. They have uh, a lot of uh, tough decisions to make, and they are in purgatory uh, when it comes to the salary cap. And there's some contracts that are just weighing them down. And I, I think they're going to, one, uh, have to make a, a really difficult decision uh, with their forward core, and two, it could result in some other players being available that maybe you don't think with term left. Uh, that is a team that uh, that I think the vultures are flying around right now and waiting to see what's going to happen with JT Miller and uh, then uh, how it goes down with uh, with the rest of their, their forwards. Uh, not much there defensively uh, that would be available, but boy, oh boy, uh, they got uh, they got some big decisions to make. Uh, those are one-timers presented by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. We'll catch up with Chapman next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. It's kind of funny. We were we were actually kind of, you know, you mentioned last week if, if we should do a podcast about the stuff we talk about during the break. Yeah. And it's funny that you were joking in the break that I go everywhere. Well, today I I will be crossing something off my sports bucket list. Well, not today physically, but I did it a step towards crossing something off my sports bucket list. I booked a ticket. This was clunky well Notre Dame is like the mecca of college football right like it is the the most historical program they have the the storied ground Newt Rockney the great fight song the deal with NBC well UNLV is playing at Notre Dame this October so I, I missed up or passed up the chance to go see UNLV at Michigan passed up the chance to go see them at Ohio State USC UCLA this time, I booked the flights today, taking my boy. We're going to go watch UNLV and Notre Dame at uh, Notre Dame Stadium this October. Game is October 22nd, so uh, I'm excited for that because I've, I've never been to Notre Dame. I've never even seen them play. Funny thing is, they're coming out here and playing BYU two weeks before UNLV goes there. So they're coming to Vegas, not playing UNLV. And not then, the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely not the same. So... I, I would equate it to probably going to like go see a game at, in in Toronto or Montreal because I mean that's kind of what it is. It's one of those historical places, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited for it. My son, he doesn't care about the football. He's more interested in the campus and the band. But uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for him too because I, I get to take him weekend. Follow up. Uh, where are you flying to? O'Hare. Okay, and then you're driving. Yes, we're gonna drive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two. Did you get uh, what kind of seats did you get it's, for the game? I haven't got the seat yet. I'm going to have to go through UNLV because I definitely will be wearing my Rebel Red, and I don't, or my Rebel Scarlet, I should say, because they are the Scarlet and Gray. I don't want to be in the Notre Dame section, so I'm going to have to get get in contact with the people at UNLV and find out uh, how we go about getting tickets to sit in the, I would assume, small UNLV section that will be there. Are you not concerned about being able to acquire tickets? No, I'm not too concerned about that. 
Like you book the flights yes. without tickets. I usually go the other way. Ah, see, I, 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 I don't think it'll be a problem. I, I would imagine I will be able to fi- find tickets for UNLV oh, and Notre Dame. Boy. Because I would think, like, UNLV uh, alum will travel from all over the place for this game for the same reason that you're mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but UNLV doesn't travel that well. They, they, I see. When, 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 when can you get tickets? Can you get tickets right now? I don't know. I, I should get in contact with my guy at UNLV and find out. Like, I love this story and the idea, <laughs> but you've missed a couple of steps here. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And You and haven't checked at all about tickets. I'm not too concerned. When was the last time you saw UNLV on the road? Uh, I, I saw them play at the University of Utah back when the Utes were in the Mountain West Conference, so that's a long, long time ago. All right. So it's 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 been a while. Well, yeah, yeah I'm, and that I'm a one, little concerned about this. That one I was lucky because my buddy is was a season ticket holder for the University of Utah at the time. So, so had connections. Have, yeah, I didn't have to worry too much about that. I don't know any Notre Dame season ticket holders. However, a guy who used to do a show on Raider Nation Radio to Cincinnati, he is a big, big Notre Dame fan. He already got in contact with me. There will be a massive tailgate in the parking lot. So even if I don't get Does tickets. Does he have tickets? No, 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 no. Don't say even if I don't get tickets. You're not going all the way there to tailgate. No, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll get tickets. I, I don't, I'm not too concerned about that aspect of it. Okay, here's the other you thing. You should be. I No, I'm not. If anybody is looking to go to Chicago in October, let me know because I may be able to get you a couple of plane tickets. <laughs> Just in case Chapman doesn't get to go, doesn't find tickets. So uh, get get in contact with us because we oh. we, we may have a couple of plane tickets to I, O'Hare. Yes, uh, in October. <laughs> I I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I th- I think. Wow. However, it gets better because I found out that my favorite band will be playing two shows in Chicago that weekend as well. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think you're going for the band instead. Of the no, game. I you didn't know. I I up. legitimately did yeah. not know. Did you? No, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you get tickets for the concert yet? Or no, no, they haven't gone on sale yet. They're actually opening for three eleven, but uh, the, the, they haven't gone on who's, sale yet. Who's your favorite band? Uh, they're a band called The Urge. If you're from St. Louis, and I know there's some some St. Lunatics out there. Are you from St. Louis? No, but <laughs> the, the, the people from the Lou, they know about The Urge. They are probably uh, the greatest band to come from St. Louis. I never got to tell me my dog story today. I'll do uh, do that tomorrow <laughs> on social media. Yeah. It just, uh, it's just a story more about creeping and and stuff getting sent to you for other people, and you wonder how they get my address for that. Uh, mm, Chicago, your house. October. I should, you know, a lot of people are, are driving by my house saying they've been to Millard's house right now. <laughs>